Welcome to Warriors Off the San Francisco Chronicles NBA podcast. I'm your host, Warriors beat writer Connor Letourneau, and today I'm joined by sports writer Ron Krojcik. Ron covers all sorts of beats for us, but he's long been a steady presence on our Warriors coverage. On Tuesday afternoon, we sat down at the Chase Center to preview the Warriors season. In addition to looking at the team's best and worst case scenarios, we discussed some preseason superlatives. We'll have our conversation right after the break. Ron, we're here in the media room at brand new Chase Center on Tuesday afternoon. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, Connor. Uh, So we're two days out now from the much-anticipated season opener against the Clippers. It's been probably the most interesting preseason that I've covered just because of all the questions, all the new faces, obviously not as big of expectations for this team as there were in recent years, but just as many questions as there's ever been. Um, and as a reporter, right, that's, that's what we love digging into is the stories and, and getting at that human side. And so I've had a, a lot of fun with that. But, you know, being so close to the, to the season now, I think it, we're finally at that time where we can put on our prognosticator hats. And I always am wary of doing this a little bit because, you know, this could be the type of thing where in six, seven months we're listening back on this and we feel – pretty silly right because uh you know that's what they always say right is if you want to look dumb just make a make a prediction but uh it's fun and um one thing I wanted to talk to you about is just what do you feel like is kind of the best and worst case scenario for this team because it feels like there's a super wide range well the worst case scenario I think is pretty clear that stuff rolls his ankle in the opening night and is out for any extended period of time that the margin for error is just so much thinner than it's been the last five years I mean you think about you know some of the injuries they've overcome these five years Durant in the playoffs Steph in the playoffs you know because they've had such dynamic rosters and such depth and guys like Iguodala and Livingston to to shore up you know when the stars were out so there's no question that they don't have that margin for error and if Steph or Draymond or maybe D'Angelo Russell's out for any extended period of time it's going to be a big problem so that's the worst case scenario in my mind. Best case scenario, everybody stays healthy. You know, they uh, Russell produces enough to take some pressure off Steph, and, and maybe they win forty-eight games, forty-eight to fifty. Um, I mean, I, I certainly see them as a playoff team. You if, think forty-eight games is their worst case scenario? No, that's their best case. Scenario. Oh, sorry, best case scenario. Yeah, I don't think they win. I don't with Clay out. I I, I don't think they win more than fifty at most. Okay. I, I don't. Because um, the, the West, given the way the West has sort of re, restacked, um, it's, it's, there's not a lot. <laughs> you look at that schedule, it's not going to be easy starting Thursday night with the Clippers. I mean, granted, Paul George is out, so they're hurting as well. But uh, it's not going to be the way it has been these last five years. They're going to go on some losing streaks. They're going to have nights. I, mean, I, I think the biggest issue by far is the defense. You know, I didn't watch the preseason as as <clears> – <throat> closely as you did um but the parts i saw they weren't very good defensively at all and and, and that's and that's really 
the crux of a championship team. As great as shooters as Steph and Clay are, they played good defense these last five years. And look what the 49ers are doing in football. Any sport, yeah. defense is the, where it starts. I mean, in simple terms, you're replacing Clay Thompson, who's one of the best two-way players in the league, with D'Angelo Russell, who I knew wasn't a great defender, but in the preseason, he was just downright awful. Um, I believe he had a... Uh, defensive rating of like 118 or something which was among the worst in the entire NBA Um, now I think he can be better than that in the regular season once they figure out how to use him next to Steph and and kind of get comfortable with each other but I think it was a little bit of a preview of look you know there's this is going to be a major adjustment on the defensive end and what it comes down to is putting D'Angelo in there you can't hide Steph necessarily on the worst offensive player like you were able, which was a really nice luxury that Steve right. had in the past. Well, they need they need some guys starting with Steph to play better than they've played in the past defensively. Um, I I love Steph. He's a great guy, great player, one of the best shooters ever. I don't think he's very good defensively. I mean, he's had flashes of it. There was that one possession in one of the Laker preseason games where he stopped a right. guy and I think blocked a shot. You know and and, and he, he certainly has the ability, but he's had so much of the load offensively, and it just seems like guys penetrate on him too easily. Um, but maybe now that it's needed more, he gets better at that. I don't know. Um, it's, you know it's fair to be skeptical after all these years in the league. I mean, he's, he's an, he's, even if he's an average defender, that would, you know, that would help. Or, or he and Russell both, I think, need to keep guys out of the lane better than they have in the past who's their second best defender obviously Draymond's their best defender who's their second best defender can I say Draymond no <laughs> can he be the first second and third um I don't know I haven't seen Robinson enough to know I know you wrote about him um in in today's paper um that he has some ability defensively has been pretty good in the past and will need to be given that position starting with Kawhi Leonard on yeah. Thursday night um you know Kali Stein I know hasn't been what people thought he'd be um, with his long arms and, and sort of protecting the rim, um, that would certainly help a lot. Um, I think, the, to me, the big, the big starting point is 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 the point of attack. And again, Steph and Russell and Glenn Robinson, the perimeter guys, not letting opponents get in the lane. Um, I always flash back to uh, I'm dating myself here, but Pete Newell and his great Cal teams. His big coaching philosophy, reading his book by our colleague Bruce Jenkins, is ball pressure. You know, and I played in high school. I mean, that's what you have to do to be a good defense is put pressure on the ball. And, and what goes along with that is not letting right. the, the ball handler get past you and create, you know, opportunities in the lane. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see. I mean, I think Steve Kerr's concerned about it. He talked about it today after practice. He, you know, fielded some questions, and he sort of acknowledged they need to be much better defensively, and that's, that's a, a foremost concern. I think it'll help once they get Kavon back, and it's looking like Kavon will probably be back in the season opener. I think I would probably say Kavon's their second-best yeah, defender. I, um, I think Glenn might be able to challenge him as the season goes on. I think Glenn's going to be really important to what they do defensively. But he's been up and down in that in that department in his career. Um, so I think Kavon coming back, obviously Willie, when he comes back, it's looking like he's making good progress. He's already – we saw him shooting threes today. Um, I think it's within the realm of possibility that he could return soon after uh, he gets reevaluated at the end of the month. Um, and then I talked to Alan Smiley-Geats now. He's not going to be a huge factor, but he's got two more weeks that he's going to be out. Um, so once you get those guys healthy, that'll shore up your interior defense a little bit, which obviously should help along the perimeter as well. 
So kind of going along that, do you think that there's a realistic possibility that, you know, if the Warriors can, you know, stay healthy, that they could be in a position to be in striking distance of a top four seed when hopefully Clay is due to come back potentially in March or April? I think it's a long shot, frankly. I see them as more in in the bottom half of the playoff field if they make it. Um, I mean, it's certainly possible, but I don't know that I'd have to do check. I don't know that 48 to 50 wins gets you top four seed. Probably not this year. Yeah. So uh, my guess is it's more like a six or seven seed if they make it. But again, we're it's such a new landscape, right? I mean, it's so different than it's been the last few years, you know, not only with the Warriors roster, but with these other teams, the teams they're competing against. I mean, the Rockets uh, with with Westbrook now joining Harden, what are they going to look like? Certainly not aesthetically pleasing with the five guys spacing and so one guy can go one-on-one. But, I mean, those are two two amazing players. I mean, even if it's not a, a fun style, they could be completely different than they were last year and better. The Jazz are certainly better with Conley. Uh, the Clippers, obviously, when George gets healthier, better. The Lakers, I mean, I granted it's just preseason, but they looked really good, I thought, yeah. in stretches against the Warriors in the preseason. And obviously, they're going to be much better with Anthony Davis. So, I mean... It's it's going to be hard to get a top four seed. It's going to be hard to uh, you know to to replicate what the Warriors have had here in recent years. So uh, it's a lot of burden on Steph and, and and Draymond, frankly. I was it was in the camp before training camp when I would go on radio interviews and what have you, and I would say, you know, I think it's kind of ridiculous that people are saying the Warriors could miss the playoffs. I mean, look at their championship pedigree; they still have four All Stars if you count when Clay's coming back. Uh, I think that they there's no way they'll miss the playoffs. Having been around this team now for a few weeks and, and just seeing them in the preseason, seeing them in practice a little bit, I, I, I see how incredibly fragile they are, and I feel like there's a better chance that it veers more toward that worst-case scenario than that best-case scenario. Um, I think for best-case scenario, like you said, everything has to literally go right. I mean, no major injuries. Uh, role players have to be better than you think. Guys like Eric Pascal and, and Jordan Poole, rookies, have to come in and play a key role. Um, Glenn Robinson III needs to be somewhat of a, of a perimeter stopper. Uh, you need, you're asking a lot for that to happen. Worst-case scenario, it could be just sim- something simple as, like you said, Steph tweaks his ankle and is out for a month. Steph's out for a month. It's hard to imagine them imagine this team without Steph winning a lot of games, even against bad teams, because uh, you know you have D'Angelo, but outside of that, who scores points for you? Jordan Poole. Well, you know, I mean, that's that's where they're at. Well, no, you're right. I mean, as we said, the margin for error is too thin, and the best case scenario, everybody stays healthy. They get guys who who step up their game. I mean, you mentioned Kavad Looney, which is a really good call. He probably is the next best defensive player. And here's a perfect example of a guy who's been good. We've shown signs of him contributing as an NBA player. He needs to take a big step forward and could. Right. You could certainly see him averaging 12 and 10, right? Yeah. But, I mean, that's what has to happen for right. them to, to – but even then, the best-case scenario in my mind would be 48 to 50 wins, which right. is 10 fewer than they're used to. Right. But that's the new reality. Right. Without Clay, and, and I don't think you can count on Clay. I mean, Steve Kerr obviously created headlines saying it's unlikely Clay will be back this year, but whether or not that's true, the best case scenario in Clay's uh, situation is he comes back 
early March, right? Right. Well, he's not going to be Clay Thompson that everybody remembers right away. Right. That's a serious injury. Right. I mean, he's whether or not he's comes back at all this season. Just the rest factor alone. Well, I mean, he, it's just he's not going to be a major factor this season, whether or not he plays in March and April. So take him out of the equation and take Duran out of the equation and Iguodala and Livingston, and it's obviously not anywhere near the same team it's been. So uh, – I think people need to go into the season sort of understanding that. And I think most people do. Right. And I think one thing we should touch upon really quickly is I think people saw the report today and they saw the word unlikely and they kind of freaked out just because of that word. The reality is behind the scenes, this team had kind of been preparing for the likelihood that that Clay would miss the whole regular season. This entire, this entire There's nothing really new here. It's just that he happened to use – the word unlikely, which is obviously a buzzy word. Uh, you look at the timeline, it takes about nine months to come back from an ACL. That puts you at the beginning of April. Um, the season only, regular season only goes a couple more weeks beyond that, right. and there's no guarantee this team's going to have a playoff berth. So um, if, they're, if they're not within striking distance of a playoff berth come April 1st, and you, even if you feel like Clay might be ready enough to come back, why throw him out there, you know, if, if, you're not really playing for much. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. And, and I think people sort of misinterpreted when Bob Myers said on at media day on the first day of training camp that they'll have an update around the All-Star break. That didn't, that didn't mean he'll be back around the All-Star break. That yeah. meant they will reevaluate him around the All-Star break. And if you look at the history, they've said that before. They'll reevaluate a guy at a certain point. Right. And they often come back and say, okay, we'll reevaluate again in three weeks. So it goes from mid-February to late March pretty quickly. And then as you accurately point out, you know, by late March, there's only 10 games left. If they're not going to make the playoffs, you're right. What's the point? Um, so I think they've learned from Kevin Durant and other situations. And Clay Thompson's even said, he said, I believe, on media day, he's done his due diligence. He knows he can't rush this. As much as he wants to be out there, I think he's seen – there's too much risk in rushing back from this kind of injury. And he doesn't want to jeopardize his career. He wants to play into his late 30s. Well, if he wants really for that to happen, he needs to be careful. So we kind of talked about best worst-case scenarios. If, if you had to throw out a number of, of wins you think they're going to get, what, would, what, what number would you, what would you put out as a realistic the over-under? number? Yeah, the over-under. I don't know what Vegas has on the over-under. I haven't even checked. Yeah, so You should check. Um, I would say, I don't know, 44, something like that. I mean, it's, again, it's, it's, it's hard to know. It's hard to know given the, the, the turnover on this roster. I mean, Steph's 31. I don't think you can count on him being healthy for 82 games given the way he plays, given, you know, he's 31, but he's played like an extra season and a half in postseason games. Yeah. So it's just – and he has a history of injuries. And Draymond, the way he plays, is bound to hurt something at some point. Um, that's going to be one of the most fascinating things is to see how, how aggressively Kerr manages minutes for Draymond and Steph early in the season when they're healthy, right. knowing he can't, he, he can't lose those guys. Yeah. But it's going to be tempting to play them an extra few minutes if there's a game, if there's a game they think they can win. Right. No, it'll be it'll be fascinating. I, I agree with you with that 44 number. Really just anything slightly north of 500. I mean, 500 to me seems about the right number, but I'm 
given given the benefit of the doubt, given this five year run, right. that Steph Steph and Draymond in particular always seem to find. And there are some really bad teams in the NBA. Yeah, um, it's easy to forget that. I agree, but the, again, there are some really good teams. I mean, right off the bat, you'd be hard pressed to argue that the Warriors are better than the Lakers, the Clippers, the Jazz, the Rockets. I mean, right off the bat, there's four. Right. Um, there's probably another Portland. Yeah. Um, I think so, they're probably like on par with Portland if they stay healthy. Yeah, yeah but, but but are Steph and D'Angelo going to stop Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum? But are Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum going to stop Steph? And, that could be fun to watch. You know? <laughs> um, so so anyway, it's it's. Uh, I guess we'll we'll find out starting Thursday. So kind of getting into uh, the rest of our preview, one, one thing I wanted to do for print, but I don't think I'm going to get the chance to do is a preseason superlative. So I wanted to to kind of do it on the podcast a little bit. So we're going to go through various preseason awards and we're just going to name guys who who we think will be that for the Warriors. So the first one here is obviously most viable player. Good question. Uh, it's Steph or Draymond, basically. Um, I mean, I, I would argue that Draymond in some ways has been more valuable than Steph even the last couple of years, as great as Steph is. Just because Draymond does so many different things, I mean, he's, definitely in the playoffs. Well, and he's essentially the point guard, and Steph won't even really argue that. I mean, Steph might bring the ball up more, but but the offense is going through Draymond. He's the one making the passes. Um, so uh, I guess we'll give it a tie to Steph and Draymond there. But uh, uh, it'll be interesting to see how their roles evolve without Clay, without Durant, with, you know, with, with his, this younger roster. I'll go with Steph because I, I feel like the only way they're gonna be able to win this season is if they outscore teams, and I think. Steph needs to be averaging honestly somewhere in like the 33 to 35 range for them to be in any sort of contention in the West. So I'm going to go with Steph. Um, and I think – so the next one is defensive MVP. This probably isn't much of a debate. No, Draymond's definitely the best defensive player on the team, if not the league. Um, I mean, you could argue that you know what you're going to get from Draymond. So the key on defense might be more someone like Russell. You know, can they get decent defense from him? I'm not saying he's the most valuable defensive player, but he might be the most important defensive player yeah. for them to to achieve what they want to. But uh, no, Draymond's just re- he, he's so good defensively; it's it's uh, it's remarkable. Glenn Glenn Robinson's going to be incredibly important to what they do defensively as well, because you lost not just Clay but Andre, and then Alfonso McKinney, who is a decent uh, perimeter defender, and then obviously Kevin Durant. And so you're asking, you're going to be asking Glenn Robinson the third to be matching up night in and night out with Giannis, Kawhi Leonard, uh, Paul George, all those types, LeBron James, all those types of guys. So he needs to at least be right. solid. Agreed. Um, and then going on to the next one, it's it's biggest question mark. Um, and so I'm going to keep this to a player. What player do you think is the biggest question mark? Yeah, the answer could be just the team, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it could. you talked about the defense. Right. Uh uh, you know, I'll, I'll let you have some fun with it. It doesn't. It can be a group of players. It can be a position. It doesn't have to be a specific player, I guess. Um, I mean, to me, if it was if it was a specific player, and and I would probably go with Willie Cauley Stein because here's a guy they got. It was a good signing. I mean, given the price, yeah. given their need at that position, given his potential based on his you know skill set and his his size, his length, you'd think he would be better than he's been. And, you know, maybe he will be. We'll find out. Um, but if he can be, you know, if he and Looney can give them a, a nice combo at center, that ostensibly would 
ease the burden on Draymond and Steph and everybody else. Um, so I, I would so call it Stein because I could see that going either way. I could right. see him taking a big step forward in this system, and I could see him running. He needs to block some shots, man. Yeah. He blocked .6 shots per game last season for Sacramento as a seven footer with a seven four wingspan. You could do that, I and mean, you're not seven foot with <laughs> yeah. seven four yeah. wingspan. Yeah, he he needs to block some shots. I mean, and this is a team that was among the league leaders the past few years in block shots. Obviously, they lose Kevin Durant, who's a great, great shot blocker, um, and so they need him to be. And in a factor in that interior defense. Uh, for me, the biggest question mark, um, I'll just say the bench. I mean, that that whole bench is riddled with question marks. I mean, outside of let's let's say once Willie comes back, he's starting center. You got Kavon Looney, who who beyond that is is a known commodity. Right. right? You have Alec Burks, who was who, who scored a decent amount earlier in his career with Utah, but has been on the downside of his of his prime. You have a bunch of young guys they're going to be asking big minutes from. Eric Pascal, number 41 pick, is going to be playing probably 20-plus minutes a night for you. Jordan Poole, number 28 pick, is going to be need to be uh, a factor as a scoring punch off the bench. Uh, you're, you're, you're going to be asking a lot of guys who haven't really proven much either lately or ever. Uh, so that, to me, is an enormous question mark. Um, and then the next one is best newcomer. Now, we have there are nine – new newcomers the 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 buzzing number for a while was obviously eight but they cut alfonso mckinney and added uh marcus chris so that number is up to nine who do you think uh is going to be the the best and obviously the easy answer is d'angelo russell so i'm going to challenge you a little bit and and ask more is there is there anyone that you think beyond the headliner in in d'angelo that you think can be the best well I think he needs to be the best right. I mean because you just look at the the salary sheet I mean they're committing a lot of money to him and that's why they're strapped right, right? With, with and, and couldn't keep McKinney so I think the, the preamble to that is that uh, Russell really needs to be the best newcomer for them to to move forward um, the most intriguing newcomer is probably Chris you know here's a guy who who came out of nowhere I certainly didn't know much about him you know he has a Sacramento background yeah I figure, I figure I would have known that uh, and number eight pick, I think, overall a couple years ago. So he obviously has uh, some skills. It's only 22. Yeah, I mean, it's that was, again, a, a really good sign. I mean, there was a low-risk signing to get a guy who obviously has talent to be at that high a pick. And that's where people forget. I mean, he was a high pick, I believe, after one year at Washington, right? right? He, was, he was 18 when he was drafted. Yeah, so people forget that, you know, those first two years in the NBA at 18-19 is really not – always a good indication he went I mean, to phoenix yeah well but i, I mean, mean but it was a very dysfunctional but, situation and, but 18 19 years old you just that's not the uh, necessarily a judge i mean lebron james to come out of high school the way he did or kobe bryant that's not normal right? right that's an extreme example so i don't i think the books you know the jury's still very much out on chris and it was a uh, a really good risk to take is really not much of a risk um, so to me, he's the most intriguing newcomer uh, because, again, they're going to have to get better at other spots to make up for uh, the, the losses they've had. Yeah, obviously, D'Angelo Russell's got to be the answer there. Um, he was, I thought, up and down in preseason. He had a nice offensive game to to end the preseason. Um, he, I think it's still going to be very much a work in progress with how he fits with Steph. You've, you've seen so far that they've been at their best and they haven't been on the court with each other. Now Steve is going to stagger their their substitution patterns so that 
D'Angelo's kind of re- leading that second unit, which which needs to happen. So they don't really have any other offensive options on that second unit. Um, but they need to also learn how to really complement each other, not just offensively, but as we talked about earlier, defensively. D'Angelo needs to be at least competent defensively. Right. Now, we're not asking him to be some stud defensively, but if he can just stay in front of his guy the majority of the time, that'll go a long way. Right. Now, the last one is big, biggest surprise, and that's kind of open to interpretation a little bit. Now, biggest su- surprise could be based off something you've seen in preseason um, in terms of uh, a factor of their playing style. It could be a specific player. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you kind of have some fun with that one. Well, I mean, if you step back and think about uh, going into training camp, you'd say Chris has been the biggest surprise so far. And if he continues at this rate, will be the biggest surprise, right? Um, of guys we don't expect much of or know much of now, you'd think Alec Burks could have an impact, right? We, he's missed a lot of training camp. I had someone in the front office tell me entering training camp that Alec Burks, now this is assuming Clay doesn't come back, but Alec Burks would be their third leading scorer this season, which, you know, you, that might be the case. You know, he's actually their most, they're probably their third most proven scorer. This is a guy who averaged 15 or so a game earlier in his career with, with Utah and, and has a nice shot. Uh, he missed the entire preseason with an ankle issue, but that's not considered serious. He could be back for the opener. Um, so, they're going to need him to at least be a factor coming off that bench. Right. Well, again, the only way they uh, can get to that 48-50 win, in my mind, is for, God, for unexpected contributions, whether that's Looney taking a step forward and, and doubling his point rebound total, whether it's Collie Stein starting to block shots, whether it's Burks, you know, really hasn't shown Warriors fans anything yet, coming out and contributing, or Robinson playing good D. So those things that, that, that you think are possible but we haven't seen for sure have to happen. I mean, it's the five years of certainty are gone. <laughs> yeah, and, and Jordan Poole is a guy who is yeah. going to be important. Um, now, you don't say that a ton about the number 28 pick as a rookie, uh, especially coming to a team that won the Western Conference last year. But, you know, he was spectacular, at least offensively, in the first two games of the, the preseason. Was at, at that point in the preseason – was the second leading scorer among rookies behind Zion Williamson. Was averaging 18 points per game through those first two games, and you just saw that swagger. You saw that three-point range. You saw his ability to, uh, you know, that body control in in the paint. He he just looked like a, a guy that would be a diamond in the rough at 28. And this is a guy who I honestly was not super high on when they took him at 28 I thought that was even a reach at 28 he wasn't particularly good at Michigan um, in retrospect that might have been because he wasn't really used properly this is a guy who's good playing off the ball he was really just kind of a you know a spot up guy in in Michigan um, but if he can come in and average you know double digit points as a rookie and and be someone that opposing defenses really need to game plan for that that changes a lot, you know. That that would go a long way. That would take a lot of pressure off someone like Alec Burks, you know, some of those complimentary guys like Willie Cauley Stein, Draymond, offensively, Kavon. So, um, that the only way the Warriors, in my mind, are going to be in any sort of contention near the top of the West is if you have guys like Eric Pascal and Jordan Poole, not just be helpful as rookies, but actually be 
you know, guy, guys that need to be a factor of the opposing team's game plan. Yeah, we haven't talked much about Pascal or Poole, and, and from everything I can tell, and you know more than I, you've been around the team more in training camp, Pascal's probably the most ready to help right now in, in a Draymond sort of way, not with points, but with setting screens and getting rebounds. And a couple snippets I saw in preseason, he looked really good. He's got an NBA body, right? And he went to a really good program in Villanova. Um, Poole, to me, seems like maybe more of a long-term success, right? That he might not thrive right off the bat. Um, he's so dependent on his shooting, and he's very young. Consistency's often an issue. Well, with those well guys. he's young, right? I mean, right. he's two years, I believe, in Michigan. He's only two years. Yeah. He's 20 years old still. Yeah, so, you know, much like we're talking about with Chris, I could see Poole struggling a bit this season. He doesn't seem like he's very good defensively yet. Um, but two years from now, it might be a different vibe. You might think, oh, that was a good pick, right? Whereas this season, you might say, oh, he's not helping as much as they need. Um, you're right, they need him. Um, but And they might not get it right away. But uh, I can certainly see him. He certainly fits the NBA style, right? The modern game, the three-pointers. Right. And, and, and the, the fact that he has that range. Um, I mean, he was shooting threes after practice today with Clay and uh, D'Angelo Russell. And he's got a sweet stroke, you can tell. Yeah, for sure. So uh, uh, he and Pascal will be very uh, intriguing newcomers to watch uh, as well. Awesome, Ron. Well, I really appreciate you joining me in the pod. As always, uh, Ron has been super helpful throughout preseason. I know Ron's got several uh, bigger features that he's he's got in the works. So uh, he'll be he'll be helping me out all season. As as will our columnist and Rusty Simmons. So we're gonna be you know the Warriors might not be quite as good this season, but hopefully our Warriors coverage will not take a dip. So I really appreciate it, Ron. I didn't help us get younger, but okay. <laughs> Warriors Off Court is part of the San Francisco Chronicle Podcast Network. Audrey Cooper is the editor-in-chief. If you like this show, we'd love it if you subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've got a minute to give us a quick review, that helps us build our audience so we can keep growing. Follow me on Twitter at con underscore cron and email me at cleturno at sfchronicle.com. Support Warriors Off Court and a lot of great journalism with a subscription to the San Francisco Chronicle. There are print and digital editions. Find out more at sfchronicle.com slash subscribe.